Welcome to episode 201 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, and this week we've got Joe Altier on the podcast. That's right. I mean, finally, after three, three and a half years. Finally. like, Well, dude, I mean, you've, you've had all these other huge rock stars before me, and now all of a sudden you finally nail my ass down, you know? Literally, we started this podcast in May of 2015, and then... I think it was probably July of 2015 that I sent him a message on Facebook Yeah, and said, hey, would you be willing to be on our podcast? Because we always love brand new sin. Yeah. So we're a little nervous about it because, yeah. you know, we we had talked to him, you know, on Facebook and stuff, but hadn't personally met him. And it was someone from a, you know, a band we were a fan of. Yes. He said sure, and then it was just hard to line something up with his schedule, like he talks about later in the interview. He does yeah. last few years; he's done three hundred plus shows a year. Yeah, here and there we'd touch base, never quite make it happen. And then back in the end of February this year, yeah, we finally got it together and made it happen. You know, and he, what happened? He calls us up on Skype, and we're talking, and he's just silent, and he's like, "You guys there?" And he said, all I hear is like noises that sound like robots. <laughs> so we had some Skype issues and it took me a couple of weeks to figure it out. And then when I did, same thing happened again. Never lined up schedules. Yeah. But the point of all this is, is this past week we hit 200 episodes, celebrated that with our friends in Severmind. Yes. And then I said to Jason, I'm like, hey, what if we get Joe... On short notice to be episode 201 to kick off the next 200. Exactly. I dig that. So it's kind of like we did. a new beginning almost, even it, though nothing's it, changed. It is, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, real quick, I mean, before before I get all into Joe Altier and Brand New Sin and what he's got going on, I just want to say that um, this past weekend was nuts. My podcasting legs are tired. Yeah, we're coming to a, uh, the finish line right now. Yeah, this is this this intro is the finish line. Uh, tell t- tell them kind of ha- how how it went since what Friday or some shit. Well, before we get into that, we Saturday should, we should what? mention that we're sponsored. Yes, that's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. And that's part of what we're going to be talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm getting but, ahead of myself here. But we're sponsored every week on this podcast by Deb Concerts. Doug Burgess runs the ship over there, and they bring in a lot of shows here to the Tulsa area, and we've gone to a ton of them, the good majority of them. They've had in bands like Dokken, Winger, Tom Kiefer a couple times, Faster Pussycat, Steelheart, Warrant, Firehouse, Lita Ford, Jack Russell's Great White, a huge long list, and this past weekend, LA Guns and Junkyard were here. Coming up, February 13th, the Mighty Saxon That's will be right. coming to the Ideal Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, Doug is killing it. Yeah, and this is, you know, I'm admittedly, growing up and throughout my life, I'm a way bigger fan of Warrant and Winger and Cinderella than I ever was of Saxon. And, you know, that may disgust some Saxon fans, but I love Saxon too, but I'm just saying it wasn't until the past few years that I really dug deep into them. Yeah. But I think this might be 
what's the right word, the coup de gras? Oh man, of the DB concert event so far. Yes, it is. This is his finest work to date. Yeah, and so proud of him, and cannot wait for this fucking show. Yeah, Saxon in that venue is gonna blow the roof off. I think I said this a few weeks ago that Tom Green and the Ideal Barn will have to make some repairs on <sighs> Valentine's Day. They will never be the same. Yeah. But that show will also feature our friends in Down for Five. That's right. And the band Mud Flux. Yes. I saw them out at LA Guns, I believe, checking that show out. Okay, cool, cool. Grind was on that show. We'll get into that later. But yeah. anyway, get your advance tickets from Mud Flux and Down for Five if you're in the area. Even if you're not in the area and you're traveling for the show, you can hit up Down for Five or Mud Flux on Facebook. And I'm sure through PayPal, they will get you these tickets. You can also go to Stubwire for any of the DEB concerts at IDL and buy the tickets there as well. Eddie Trunk hosts all the events out there. As far as this one, we're not 100% sure because yeah. you said he mentioned once he wasn't, but then this past one weekend. One of his posts was like, next up at the IDL, yeah. Saxon. We couldn't tell if he so was just know promoting he... the show or if he's saying he was going to be there. Yeah. So yeah. Eddie Trunk might be there. Yeah. We, we don't to, know. We need to clear that, find that from Doug before episode 202. <laughs> yeah. Huge thank you to Doug Burgess, DEB Concerts, for sponsoring this podcast and continually bringing in kick-ass rock and roll. Exactly. So, like you mentioned, this kick-ass rock and roll kicked off our three-day run here. Yes. On Saturday, we went out to the Ideal Ballroom for the show, which we're going to give you more of a detailed talk about that on these episodes, but we got out there early because we... Had podcast interviews with Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis from L.A. Guns. Who were absolute sweetheart dudes. Yes. Nicest guys ever. High caliber gentlemen. Yes. As you would say. And then Patrick, Todd, and David from Junkyard. Podcast yes. with both those bands. That was Saturday. Yeah. And then we saw that show. Yes. Which was great. Of course. Then Sunday afternoon... We got out to the Vanguard in Tulsa, Oklahoma for something a little bit heavier. The Black Dahlia Murder was playing the Vanguard, and they had quite a bill with them. They had Havoc, Ghoul, Skeletor Remains, and I forgot the fourth band that was opening. I didn't see them either, so anyway, sorry for them. Maybe I'll mention it next time we talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we got out there early, and we interviewed Trevor from the Black Dahlia Murder, and we interviewed digester from ghoul yes that was sunday and we're still here yes you'll hear about that when you listen to ghoul. <laughs> thankfully yeah he, our lives have been spared he spared us for some weird reason he let us walk out of there it, you got to go to that show i had to be at work at the ass crack at dawn this morning so right. i couldn't go but at least you were out there representing same as the la guns junkyard show we'll talk about that during those podcasts but it was Heavy metal, it's finest. Havoc, you know, was the huge draw for me because never seen them. Huge fan of these guys. They're like the, you know, the thrash band of like the new era of thrash yes. bands to me. You yes. know, I love Power Trip and Municipal Waste and all these bands, but Havoc's the fucking echelon to me. Yeah. And Power Trip, if you're one of those people that have really gotten into them because they're getting some traction you need to check out havoc as yeah, well you love havoc because they're they're just as fucking great so and speaking of power trip they're part of the that black dog yes. tour right up until a couple shows before ours 
which leads us in to Monday night. We sat down via Skype with Joe, who you're going to hear from in a bit, for almost an hour. Yes. And then directly followed that up with Clint Wells for over an hour. Yes, for over an hour. And if you're not familiar with Clint Wells... Uh, Clint Wells is a one half of the Metal Up Your Podcast uh, guys that do that podcast. Uh, it's an all Metallica podcast, and it's uh, probably the premier one out there. Right. Um, there's a few Metallica podcasts, um, Alpha Metallica, Speak and Destroy, that are just as good. But for, you know, Metal Up Your Podcast is kind of the the granddaddy. That's that's the one. And, um, you know, uh, Clint came on to talk about Metallica, Kiss, uh, you know, his songwriting. I mean, it was a it was a great, great conversation. Uh, and that was our six interviews in three days. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's coming up too. So you would yeah. say after you listen to this, Joe, we've only got five in the tank. No, we still got six in the tank because we have this child bite when we did. Yeah, that's right. Two weeks ago now that keeps getting bumped along. Yeah. So you'll hear that in the coming weeks as well with these other five that we just mentioned. And on top of all that, we've also got our best of 2018 review coming up here the week after next where we're going to do a countdown of the best albums in our view of 2018. Yes. So and there's quite a fucking list. Oh yeah, we're so we're busy motherfuckers. Yeah. Let's just jump into Joe Altier. So, yeah. you know, just a quick quick background. Brand new sin. Early 2000s came along. Yeah. And they you know, they had some success. Opening up for bands like Black Level Society, Typo Negative, who else the tour was? They gave us Life of Agony. Yeah. Um, God, I know they're, they, they did, they did some WWE stuff, I know. Well, here's the deal. If you are at all follow WWE, yeah. Dell Diver, anybody else out there? <laughs> Seth Corns. Yeah. There you go. Every time you've ever seen the big show come out since about, I don't, I should have looked up the year, probably 2005 or six, maybe, yeah. maybe even earlier than that. But there was a, his original song where it's like, hey, it's the big show was like kind of generic. Yeah. And then they all of a sudden, you know, bumped it up and that was brand new sin. And that's Joe Altier singing that big show song. That's right. And do they still use that? Yeah. I mean, oh, he's not, awesome. he's not as active, but yeah, it's been his song ever since. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm telling you. It kind of makes you, you know, if Brand New Sin was active today, you know, they might, they might find a, they might find a lane. Um, you know, if you, if you like Black Label Society, you know, that kind of thing. Down. Down. Um, you know, if you're, if but they're you're, a little more polished than down, even. Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing, I mean, this, and they they did it so well, and they had three guitar players, and they're just this wall of fucking sound, and Joe Altier's voice is just insane, and um, I mean, they really, uh, it was one of those, they really should have got over the hump, and um, they're just a great band, and I really wish I could have saw them live. Yeah, speaking of that, like, one, the one time I had the, the immediate chance that I was going to see them live they were scheduled to play South by Southwest. That's right. Yeah. And I think it was a year, a year you didn't go. Yeah. If I remember right. And then like literally, I don't know if it was a couple of days before, like right before 
something happened and they canceled that gig. Oh, wow. And another side note to that is this was back, you know, during the MySpace days. Yeah. Were they called friends on MySpace? It's been so long I forgot. I can't even fucking remember. You called them friends or contacts or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Joe was one of my MySpace friends or whatever. Gotcha. And so I just sent him an email and said, hey, man, just, you know, just, I wasn't fanboying out, but I was just kind of generic, like, hey, you know, I was going to that show, looking forward to finally getting to see you guys. It got canceled. And he, you know, gave me a, I remember a long response, just explaining why it happened and, you know, sorry, you don't get to see us. Hope you can down the line or whatever. And yeah. Which to me at that time, you know, now it's easier with Facebook and yes. Twitter to contact someone. But to me, that was huge because a dude, you know, I mean, I I put this guy in my top 10 or 15 favorite singers of all time. Exactly. Right? And exactly. for him to respond, you know, you know, was a big deal to me. And he's he's been that way ever since. If you follow him on Facebook, you know, day in and day out, he's got posts where he's asking questions about music or just life or anything and you yeah. know hundreds and hundreds of responses and you see not just from just whether it's his friends family fans like us that he's made throughout the years and then you'll just look down the list and you'll see alan robert from life vagney or, or john karabi yeah karabi you'll just see random people yeah. from the music <laughs> industry that he made contacts with throughout the years that or contacting on him, you know, his, his you know, his Facebook and exactly. Instagram stuff as well. But you know, since he left, that he's done just Joe pretty consistently since yeah. then. And I remember, I think it was you that sent me way back after he had left Brand New Sin. You sent me a YouTube video, and this is like in the early days of YouTube, maybe. Yeah. And uh, of him performing somewhere and he was just playing the piano and it was just labeled as just joe yeah and he was playing marshall tucker bands can't you see yeah and that still stands as one of my favorite covers i've ever heard yeah and you know he still does that live he, it was on his live album a couple years ago yeah yeah he does you know it, it, that's his gig in his hometown uh of syracuse and and he travels around New York. Now. Yeah, he, yeah, he does travel around. Yeah, yeah. my bad. But that just kind of and, vicinity. Yeah, he does covers. He does reimagined versions of, you know, he does a version of Blackened by Metallica. You know, um, he, he does all kinds of stuff. And he, he's very, pro, you know, very active on Spotify. Go go look up Just Joe on Spotify. A lot of really cool, you know, chill songs, you know. I mean, it's it's just, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, he's got a ton of original music on there. Yes. A couple albums and EPs worth. And all that's great. And then, like Jason mentioned, he's got a ton of studio recordings of covers that he's done. Like he said, Blackened. He's done Black Labels in this river. Misunderstood. Yeah, the Motley Crue, Carabiera song, which that's my absolute favorite cover he's ever done. Yeah. He's done Purple Rain, Into the Mystic, um... You know, after Cornell passed, he released like a mini digital EP where he had like a stone, Black Hole Sun, and Can't Change Me. Yeah. Um, I know he's done Sober by Tool. And then now, now he does on Facebook, he'll do almost daily, like he mentions in an interview, like just a live, you know, recording of him doing a cover. Yeah. And that's, so that's a new thing. You get something new almost every single day now, it seems yeah. like, which is yeah. great as well. So, some evenings, like one, one evening every couple of weeks, he'll, 
he'll go live on Facebook and you can PayPal him a buck and send him a request and he'll do it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's a clever, clever way to, to, to make some extra change, man. Yeah. And I've done that it. a couple of times myself. Yes. So have I. So have I. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You want to tell the story about the first time you were going to interview Joe Altier? Oh man, I forgot about that. <laughs> I totally forgot about that or I might have mentioned it. I thought about it the other day and I was thinking God, about throwing I it out during the interview. I completely forgot about it. And then I forgot during the interview, I, but I, thankfully I just now remembered. I kind of don't even remember. I mean, I know I mean, I used to there's a there's a website called Metal Exiles probably what I don't know, back when the early 2000s. Probably into the mid 2000s. Yeah. And you know, it was it was kind of a a it was a, a bulletin board community of metalheads and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, you could, a couple of us did, you know, if you emailed a person and emailed them some questions, sometimes they might send them back to you, you know. I think, God, who did I, who, who did that? God, I can't even remember. It wasn't like Joey Z or something, was it? No. It seemed like it was someone like that. I think. No, I, I was, I can't even fucking remember. It's only a couple times that people, uh, responded and said, yeah, I'll do it. And I can't even remember who it's been so fucking long. But anyways, I'd asked, I'd emailed him, Joe Altier to do it and he wanted to do it, but he wanted to do a phone interview. And I had no way of doing that or recording it or anything. Okay. And so I just kind of let that one go. God, that was so long ago. Pretty sure that how, that's how that went. So. That's probably 13, 14 years ago. Yeah, Jesus. Joel Tier finally got that call from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 2018. Finally. I know. He's I know. probably been waiting. He's like, when are we going to do this fucking interview? Yeah, no shit. He's probably, he's probably still got the email in his inbox. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's even longer than our. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Our trying to set this thing up. God. And the podcast. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, let's, uh, let's play some music from Joe. Yeah. We were trying to think, you know, he said, hey, play whatever you want. We're thinking, he's got a ton of great original stuff. He's got a ton of great, you know, covers. But we thought, well, let's kill two birds with one stone and play him basically covering his own band, Brand New Sin. Yeah. So, one of the early songs he released when he first started releasing Studio Just Joe material was a version of Brand New Sin's My World. So, here you go.
Just Joe. Like we mentioned beforehand, that's a brand new Sin song. Probably, that's probably their, is that their most well-known song, you think? I think so. I think that was the one that was making the rounds. Yeah. I mean, I know they had Black and Blue, Got Some Play. Yeah. Missing You's fucking fantastic. I mean, there's so many great songs. That's such a great song. Like we said, wanted to play you some Joe. You hear that, you know, just like a slower, haunting version of it. Yeah. It's still dark, just like the... The original, but 
it in its own way, it's just as heavy. That's know? right. That's right. And if you've, if you're listening to all this and you've never heard Brand New Sin, you know, go listen to that. It's go like, look him up. It's the same, same song, just way heavier. You yeah. Know, just think if like COC was from Syracuse, yeah. you know, or something like that kind of music, but just more with that New York attitude, not that Southern feel to yeah. it, you know? And they're getting back together for one show. Yeah. Which was in their hometown. Which was big news that came out just this, like a few, this past week. Yeah. And when we were going to, well, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, but when we were going to do this interview, we were going to f- ask stuff about Brain to Sin, but not focus on it heavily. Yeah. And then as, you know, out of the blue came out that we're doing a show in May. Yeah. You know, for the first time with what, it's all six original guys, right? Yeah, it is. So and there you go. So it'll be the first time since the first album where all six guys are together. That's right. You know, because the subsequent albums had different members here and there. And then by the, Joe was gone after the third album. Mm-hmm. Look up Brand New Sin, just like Just Joe, it's on Spotify. Check this stuff out. If you love hard rock and heavy metal, I can't imagine you won't love this band. They're a band that, kind of like we kept saying about Junkyard, should have been bigger. Yep. It's, you know, a different style of music, but it's the same exact thing. You Damn know? right. All right, so do we just jump into this? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, here's Joe Altier. Cooking pasta and watching Polar Express with my daughter called multitasking as an adult. <laughs> well, when we, re- you know, we made this outline a long time ago. So we had a few questions about Brand New Sin that we were going to ask later on. But obviously now it's a little more relevant to the current times. Like yeah. We, we had seen, you know, these pictures you guys had posted in the past year or so of you guys, you know, hanging out again. So what's kind of what led to this making this reunion a reality? Well, I mean, I mean, we've all kind of reconnected over the past few years. It wasn't that we never weren't connected, you know, we didn't, it wasn't completely bad blood. You know, I just, you know, I think we're all more discouraged and angry at the situation instead of each other about, you know, just, it was frustrating. So, you know, we kept in touch, but we weren't as close as we were, you know, and obviously Cotton heals all wounds and Slider and I obviously started doing Elephant Mountain and and then Slider started doing, they did a few shows with God Below, which was the band that was the precursor to Brand New Sin, which is basically Brand New Sin without me. You know, it, was, it had a different singer. It was more of a metalcore, hardcore sound. So they did a few shows reunion shows of that band and then it just kind of like those guys all like kept you know bugging me and text like hey you know i guess the next show would be have to be brand new sin show you know and i just i don't know i wasn't there yet in my head you know it you got you got to go back and put yourself in a place and sing songs that were you know written nearly 20 years ago and you have to go back to a place that sometimes you don't want to go back mentally so i just didn't think i was ready to go yeah or have like trying to figure out how the hell I put it into my schedule being as busy as I am. So 
so basically what how you know to fast forward how this got to where we are now is this past spring we had some business to attend to as a band um without getting any massive details but we had to we had to deal with some old business stuff and money that was coming in and around and found out things were a little screwy so it kind of got us all talking because we got that all right and around and we we're just we we're all in a group text talking about it so then we're just texting every day hey you guys remember this story or that story or hey joe where was this at because i remember everything so you know we we're just talking every day you know and eventually i'm just like man you know, I I think maybe it's time. And they're like, it's about time, you know, you could, couldn't have done this without you. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, why don't we all just get together, have a barbecue, you know, drink some beers and just, you know, have some fun. And, you know, and talk about this and figure out, you know, if, if it's something we really want to do. So we hung out. Everyone's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do it this way. And I'm like, all right, I have to pick the date. It has to be in the future because it's the only way it's going to fit into my schedule. Everyone's like, cool, whatever we got to do around yours. Cause obviously the biggest, hardest one to, I wouldn't say I'm the busiest. Everyone else has jobs too. I just, my job happens to be the most conflicting with them all. So I put the date that was far enough out. Everyone's like, we're cool with it. And, you know, kind of laid the plans out, you know, I said, you know, and this time around, I'm like, okay, I don't care about the set list. You guys pick the set list. I just want to handle the business side of things. Let me do that. Everyone has their own little role. And boom. Here it is. Six months ago, and we're, I just checked ticket sales. We can sell 600 to this venue. We got 558 sold. So Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> in two hours, basically in two days with like no promotion other than our Facebooks. Like, you know, no press picked it up here. No radio picked it up here. Yeah, you know, so that's that's where we are now, and you know, obviously, then it leads to the next question. It's like, well, is there going to be a new record? Are you going to tour? Are you going to do this? And I'm like, no, we're playing a show. Period. Yeah, yeah, that was what what, what will happen after that? I don't I don't know, but I mean, we're just going to do this for now. Yeah, yeah, are, yeah. I mean, you know, saying everything goes swimmingly. I mean, are you open to you know whatever after after this? Yeah, I mean, it's, as long as it makes sense, and, and when I mean makes sense, it means it has to make financial sense. It has to make sense within all of our lives because we're in different spots than we were, as anybody is. And as you get into your forties and pushing towards fifty, you know, and there's responsibilities and kids and schools and and jobs and everything like that. And it's like you can't be like, okay, let's do this again because we never made money then. <laughs> yeah. With you know label backing and and great tours, like what would what would make us think that we can do it now? Yeah, you know. So we have we have to be, you know. We've obviously talked about it. We're like, dude, if it makes sense to go play a show somewhere, then yeah, so we'll go play a show somewhere. But you know, we're not gonna load up in the van and try to go even weekend things that wouldn't even make sense. But I mean, if anything would probably happen, there'd probably be some new music at some point. But I mean, we're trying to relearn songs we haven't played in years. I mean, some of these songs we're playing off that first record literally have not been played live in 15 years. Wow. wow. You know, so, you know, we, we have a lot of work on our table trying to do all of that and get everybody up to speed and try to schedule practices, you know, around everybody's lives, you know, so 
we're going to have everything in us, you know, and obviously some of the fans are like, well, what about this? What about this? It's like, motherfuckers, we just give you a show. <laughs> You've been wanting a show. We give you a show. And now you just want more. It's like, calm down, man. Come to the show and we'll see what happens from there. But, you know, we're just going to take one little thing at a time. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I wouldn't rule out any of that stuff that we just talked about, but it's not something we're concerning ourselves with. We're concerning ourselves with putting on a great show. That's it. Are there any songs that you've played in a rock form? I mean, I know with uh, Elephant Mountain, you guys did Missing You, obviously, but have you played any songs other than on your piano since you left? No. Okay. No. <laughs> you know, it was weird because the other day was the first time I had been at rehearsal, you know, because, you know, I told him, I'm like, man, it's going to be until like November, December before I can get in there just with my schedule. Plus, I don't want to sit there at rehearsal while you guys all, you know, jack off and try to remember how fucking play the riffs and, and the changes. I would rather have you guys be like, hey, I got, we got 10 songs ready, you know, and then for me to come in and just like, you know, start singing on it. So, you know, it gives them time to work on as a band, you know, so to go back and like all of a sudden sing so many songs and like have to remember how to do it. And it was like, it was weird, man. I had a conversation with a friend today and I was just like, man, it was, I don't know if it was surreal or I was having like a flashback. I didn't know what it was, man. It brought up a lot of emotions, nostalgia and, and where I was at that point in my life. And it was, it was intense in a good way. I mean, we got done playing the song Changes from the first record, and I'm just like, and everyone's like, what? I'm like, dude, I, I just feel weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. But in a good way, but, you know, I got to, it's just, I feel like that was a million years ago, not 15, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of good. And, and I mean, if anything, and this is what we all said, it's like, it, if this is all we ever do again, then this would be a cool way to end it, you know, instead of the way it did, you know, this would be a better last bite of the sandwich than the one we had, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, speaking of that, for for people that don't know, can you give like a brief synopsis on, of why you left in the first place? Well, I mean, there was a lot. And by the time it got to the point where I was, leaving or contemplating leaving or we were contemplating a lot of different things at that time there was just a ton of frustration happening in that band you know i mean the biggest thing is that you know we had put out three records you know and critically acclaimed you know we couldn't, we couldn't say that people were, i mean for the most part people really loved what they heard but we just couldn't get over that hump mm-hmm. whether we were just you know either there's only one only one or only room for one black label society or one down or whatever you say. It's like, we just could not get over that home. And so financially it was, we were worse off by that third record than we were when we started, you know, all of us were broke, you know, in debt, you know, I had filed a couple of us had filed for bankruptcy you know, we were, we were in bad shape. I mean, I didn't have a bank account. I didn't own a car. I was in my early thirties. I, I had nothing. So I was, I was at a point like I'm living at home, I'm living with my parents because I'm not home enough to get a place. 
or I don't have money for a place. All the other guys had, you know, significant others at that time. I had gone through a divorce. Another guy was going through a divorce. And it, was, it, was, it was mess. It was a goddamn mess. And with the car catalyst, what really got me thinking of what it was, because we were trying to renegotiate with Century Media, but we had a couple other labels that were interested, but the money was just so low to either re-sign to Century Media or to go to another label, just because why would they give us any money? Every label that had us had lost money. So, I mean, what kind of investment, you know, if you're looking at an investment thing, we weren't a really good investor, you know? So we were at that, and then all of a sudden, my, my father passed away. And it kind of happened, and, and when all this was happening, and, you know, as anybody knows, when you lose a close family member, either a parent or a, a sibling or an aunt or uncle that you're real close with, it, it changes. it changes the way you look at life real quick and it was just like okay what the fuck am i doing and i didn't really have time to recover and think about it because three weeks later we went out and did like a two-week run with the cult on a jaeger tour and it was just it was the worst place for me to be i was miserable all i wanted to do is to get drunk play a show and get drunk that was it and i wanted to go on so about a month later, I went to the guys in the band. I said, I need, I need a break. And I need a break from, they're like, what do you need a break from what? I'm just like, I'm from this. I go to broke. My dad died. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And I don't, you know, what are we doing? We don't have a record label. We don't have, like, there's no goal. There's no tours on the table. And, and in my eyes, I'm like, why don't we just, why don't we just take a little time away from each other? You know, like a, you know, a relationship. Let's take a break for a minute, you know? And I go, I think, in my eyes, I think all of us should kind of take a break and we'll reevaluate this in a few months or just like, let's just see what happens. And they just, they were, at first they were like, all right, cool, man, we understand, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I walked out of the practice room and I felt pretty good. I'm like, all right, cool, maybe we'll just regroup after the first of the year. We'll kind of, you know, get an idea. Who, who knows what will happen? Let's just see what the universe throws at us. And like three weeks later, they're like, hey, man, you want to swim by the practice room? And I swing by and I kind of got cornered as though, okay, have you figured out what you want to do yet? I'm like, dude, I just told you. They were in a different spot. They wanted to keep moving forward. They wanted to, you know, they felt they had a, a good plan in place and they wanted to know if I was on board or if I wasn't. I go, well, if you're asking me to, if you're giving me an ultimatum right now, whether I got to stay in the band or I'm out, then I'm out because it's not going to be fair to you. It's not gonna be fair to me, and fuck you for giving you giving me that ultimatum, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so that was that was it. I left, and you know they put out a couple records after I did with with Chris singing, and they had a singer in between me and Ben Maldens, and you know, and it kind of just fizzled out because the band sounded completely different after I left. It wasn't that it was bad; it just didn't sound like brand new shit. Yeah. So. You know, and I, and I harbored, <clears throat> now that's hindsight, I thought I was pissed at the guys for doing that. But in hindsight, I can't, I don't blame any of them for being the way they were. I mean, all of us were just at frustration and in that point in our life. So, you know, it wasn't anybody, it wasn't directly meant to be a dick to me or a dick to anybody else or a dick to the fans. It was just, 
you know, we all had our problems. We had our, we had our drinking problems. We had our drug problems. You know, we, you know, we had the classic, like, Oh, we went from a guy that likes to drink to an alcoholic. We went from a guy that likes to like smoke weed and do blow and all that stuff to like wants to do it all the time, you know? So we had a lot of extenuated circumstances that were, you know, kind of surrounding things. So it didn't make, you know, it didn't make our decision making any better by having that. So for me, it was time to go and not really know what I was going to do, but it was, I knew that it wasn't going to be there, you know, and it broke my heart because, you know, you, you start something like that and you had all these aspirations and it kind of, you kind of have to come to grips that like, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe that, okay. That rides over with, put me on another one. Well, speaking of maybe more memorable stuff, I mean, one of my favorite bands is, I know we share a love of Typo Negative and you guys played some shows with them. You worked with Peter Steele. Like, what was that whole experience yeah. like? It was it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> I saw, first time I ever saw Typo, I saw them open for Pantera. I don't know, 94, 95, somewhere around there, right? They toured a lot. It was right when Bloody Kisses came out. So I had not heard of Typo. And I went and saw Pantera and I saw Typo open and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. What, what is this? What is this? I've never heard anything like that. You know? I mean, nowadays, you, we're so oversaturated with different styles of music. It doesn't blow you. I don't think it blows your mind as much. I feel sorry for the kids nowadays. They don't, I don't think right. they have their minds blown yeah. like we did. When you go to a show and you see a band you never heard of, you know, because you're like, typo negative. How do you, you know, you either got to go buy the record and be like, well, I'm going to drop $15. I may not even like this band. Now you just YouTube it. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. I think I'll like that when I see that. You know, but when you go there and you see them, you're like, holy fuck. You know, and it blew my mind years later to, like, be on stage on that tour. And the last, I don't know, week of the tour, Peter was having myself and and uh, Martin from Celtic Frost come up and sing Black Number One. And that was pretty surreal to be up there and be part of Typo Negative for, like, four minutes. And, <laughs> like, man, if you told me, you know, if you told, told me, a, you know, 20-year-old Joe that... 30-year-old Joe would be on stage singing this song with the guy. I'd be like, yeah, you're fucking high, you know? So <laughs> it was awesome. And, I mean, that really all came down to Joey Z from my bag, and he made that happen because he produced the the tequila record. And we just happened to – at that time, Joey and Life Agony were pretty much kind of done. They were real silent. And Joey had, re, had joined the new version of Carnivore because you're a resurrected carnivore and asked Joey to be part of it. So Peter kept calling the studio every day about this and that and the other thing. One day he finally calls and I'm sitting in control and I'm like, God, you know, and Joey's like, yeah, I'm working with this band. Remember I told you a brand new sin? He goes, oh, yeah, you can hear Peter's voice. And, and I'm like, yeah, tell Peter to come down and sing on our record. He's like, hey, you know, the guys want to know if you're singing on our record. He's like, yeah, what, what do you want me down there? I'm like, just fuck it pulling our chain. <laughs> He's like, I'm free tomorrow. So, I mean, literally a couple days later, fucking Pete showed up at the studio. Like five, six bottles of wine came in. I mean, just like, you know, larger than life, but like the nicest fucking guy I think I've ever met. Not just in music, just in life. Just so happy go lucky. Came in, let's drink, you know, play me your music. Tell me about your band sit there and listen to what we're recording, listen to some old stuff. And he's like, all right, I think I'd do something. We had the song Reaper Man already written, you know, and we're like, all right, we think this part would sound cool if you were the Reaper Man, you know? So 
he went in, did it, and then we're like, oh, wait a minute. And then we're sitting there hanging out for a second. He records the vocals, sounds great. And then we go to him, we're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen with the record label? And what do we got to pay you and all that stuff? He's like, you don't got to pay me anything. And he goes, I will take care of all that stuff. No one's going to bother you about me. We're like, all right. Trusted. So we hung out for the rest of the night. He goes to get in his cab and he's like, what are you guys doing on this touring cycle? We're like, we don't know yet. You know, we're still in the, and he goes, well, he goes, we're just finished the typo tour or typo record that again. And he goes, I'd love to take you out on the road. We're like, all right, cool. You know, we get excited. But I mean, there was so many times over the years that we didn't, we have been told that by band members or management companies and stuff like that. It never happened. So at that point, we're not that we're jaded. We're just realistic. We're like, yeah, that phone call never happened. But Pete's like, no, here's my number. Here's my email. Here's this is my mom's number. He's like, whatever you need. Here's how to get old. Joey's number, you know, everybody's number. So, you know, like six months later, we're, I think we're out on the road with Mushroom Head and freaking Pete calls like, hey, it's going to happen. Your management company's going to call. Hi, honey. What do you need, honey? Anything? Um, I think he's munching my dirty because I just eat my pasta. Okay, are you full? Yeah. Okay, you can relax then. Go ahead. You can eat that one. Yeah. Want me to open it? She wants a marshmallow lollipop. It's the size of her head right now. Let me open this up. That's the story. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is huge. Who made this marshmallow? <laughs> the life of a rock star did. <laughs> Okay, you're welcome. All right, so, you know, we're on tour of Mushroom Head, and it happens. They're like, hey, we're going to go out on the road. They want to take you out. They want to take you out for the whole tour. And at that time, they were trying to get Celtic Cross on, but they were having problems with money and stuff like that. So instead of Celtic Cross, it was going to be Paradise Lost, which oh, would have yeah. been awesome, too. I love that band as well, you know? Yeah. Uh, but they really wanted Celtic Cross. So it ended up going through, and, you know, Peter followed through, man. Followed through, and on that tour, man, he made sure every day, you guys good? You need anything? You know, his crew was giving us some shit at one time, and he found out, and he freaking went and yelled at them all, you know? So he just, he man, he was he was just a fucking great dude, man. We yeah. lost a good one when he was gone, you know? Yeah, yeah, we definitely did, that's for sure. Well, uh, you know... <clears throat> You, you mentioned Joey Z earlier. What what was he like working, you know, as a producer? Um, what was he like in the studio? It was it was awesome. I mean, we we had done a lot with Life of Agony over the years because we had the same manager. Okay, uh, you know, so there was a lot of times that we had we crossed paths even before Life Agony reformed. We had done a bunch of shows with uh, Alan's band. Alan had a band called Among Thieves at that time. So Among Thieves had opened up for us a few times in New York City, and we got to know Alan real well. Uh, and I think Joey Z at the time was in Stereo Mud still, you know? So we played a couple shows in Stereo Mud, and we crossed paths there and there. And next thing you know, Life Agony gets back together, and our manager starts managing them again. So he's like, you know, you, we're going to do a bunch of stuff together. So, you know, we do weekend runs together and little runs together. We are crossing paths, and we jump on a few shows together. So, I mean, we got real tight with those dudes, especially with Joey, because he's the one we probably connected with the most. Yeah. And Joey really made a play when we we're looking for producers for that record because I want to do it. There's a lot of things about that. Joey as a producer was great. I think us as a band were a little pushy and not letting him do what he wanted to do. 
And it's partly why the record came out sounding the way it did, because sonically, it just, I have a hard time listening to that record because sonically, it just came out like shit. Yeah. And that's because we pushed, we put, well, I didn't, but you know, <laughs> I would be the first to be like, I didn't want it to sound that way. But you know, some of the guys in the band had a vision that we all just got in a room and jammed. It would sound like the way it sounded like when we were all sitting in a room and jamming. But you know, as we all know, recording, that, that sounds great. But if you don't have this, giant room that was designed for that we were in a basement of an old warehouse in fucking brooklyn you know it was not that big so we it, it ended up suffering on our end for the record uh but as 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 a vision for the record it, the darkness that record was that record was really fucking dark because we were in a dark place and we the reason why we called it tequila is because we decided to write that record by drinking two bottles of tequila every writing session. <laughs> so th things got things got fucking weird, man. You know, so and, and the, 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 the songs showed. You know, so but I mean, working with Joey is great. We spent like a month or so down in Brooklyn, and we just we got real close and tight with Joey. And you know, to this day, you know, all those guys in life agony, or I should say, guys and gals. Yes. Now there's you know. Keith is now Mina and Sal is gone and there's a girl, you know, that they have a girl drummer as well. So, um, are still family. You know, I talked to, I probably talked to Alan the most cause Alan's the one that's probably on social media the most, you know? Yeah. So, but it was, it was great. It was really great to, you know, hear the stories that Joey had. Cause I mean, life of agony had quite a, quite a history and they come from a, you know, they come from the typo biohazard, Brooklyn hardcore scene, man, and just some legendary fucking shit that went down there. So to hear it like first hand from somebody, it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, your your time off between leaving Brand New Sin and when you started Elephant Mountain, was there ever a point that you did miss getting on stage singing in a metal band, or was it something that when I, I you did. started I mean, Elephant Mountain, it was just the right here. time? Yeah, it was. I mean, Slider and I had gotten real close after I left the band because. Right after my father passed, Slider's dad passed, and we kind of got real close again, bonding over the fact that, you know, we're kind of consoling each other and all that. So him and I kept talking, and his band at the time was kind of falling apart. And the conduit for that band was our other guitar player, John. Just kind of, we're sitting in, John owns a couple of bars, so we're at one of John's bars one night, and John's like, well, why don't we just get a band together? Why don't you two get the band together, and we'll assemble a bunch of guys. And we did, and we had a bass player in mind, and John's like, well, I got a drummer in mind, and and we just started jamming, and it was a lot of fun, you know, and, and Elephant Mountain, I think, like, Brandon Sin was, like, on the verge of metal, but a rock band, more of a rock, you know, like, it was a metal rock band, whereas, like, Elephant Mountain's more of a southern rock with a little tinge of metal just because it's got slider on it, but it was more of a, you know, Right. It more it had more of a just a hard rock feel more than anything, but it was nice. But again, it was tough to make that happen because as that as Elephant Martin Mountain started getting going, my Just Joe thing and everything that goes on with Just Joe like took off. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it it just took off to the point where I'm like I gotta go down this road because this I mean this how I'm finally found a way to pay my bills playing music. So it. Elephant Mountain suffered because of it, you know, and all the guys knew that they were, they were cool. They were just like, Hey man, I can't do that. I gotta, I gotta chase this money. 
I got to build this business. You know, whether it was a pizza shop or anything else, just happened to me doing this. And, you know, is it exactly the way I planned it 20 years ago when I started doing this? No, but, you know, life doesn't work out the way. When a door opens and it seems like a pretty good door, you run through it, you know. So that's what kind of led me to where I was with Elephant Mountain. So it was kind of like we, we did a record, we do some shows, and then we we're inactive, and then we did a record, and then we like didn't do any shows, and then we played a show last year, and we were going to start doing some more shows, and then the brand new same thing started happening. So now Elephant Mountain's on the back burner again. But Elephant Mountain happens when we just feel like it wants to happen. None of us are like, oh, well, you know, crying over the fact that we don't get to play as much, but it's a really fucking good band when we're on. It's a lot of fun, you know, so it gave me an opportunity to kind of like get my rocks off in a way to front a band, you know. So we had a cover band there for a little while, but, you know, it wasn't the same when you're not singing, you know, when you're singing somebody else's tunes, you know, so. So the door is still open for you guys playing again later down the line or maybe making another album? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As for a timeline, freaking who the hell knows. <laughs> right, yeah. We're all still on great terms, you know, and obviously Slider and I are doing the brand new sin thing, so it's like Slider being the one furthest out of the band, he has the most to learn because when we do this brand new sin show, we're not just doing the first record. We're doing stuff from the entire catalog. So Slider's got to learn shit that he wasn't even a part of, and our drummer Mike has to learn two records that he wasn't a part of. And then on top of that, we're playing a couple of songs that were on the records that I wasn't even a part of. Oh, wow. But, you know, but Chris was always like, I, you know, I sang it, but I always envisioned you singing these songs. And I want to hear what they sound like. So, like, he, he was right. It was, we're like, I got no ego when it comes to this. I just want to put on a good show. And if we're going to charge $20, let's give, our, let's give these people their money's worth. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the door is definitely open for Elephant Mountain, and that'll happen at some point. I think once the brand new synth thing happens and we kind of see where that goes, I'm sure Elephant. I mean, the plan was to play some Elephant Mountain shows this past fall, but Slider got married, and then the brand new synth thing happened. So again, Elephant Mountain's like, okay, well, but I mean, we're an elephant. Elephants don't do anything very quickly ever. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. pregnant for like three freaking years. You know, things take time with elephants. So that's, that's our always, that's our joke within the band, you know, it's like, ah, whatever we move like an elephant. So, but it's fun. And when, when the timing's right, we probably will, you know, we do that for fun. We don't, we never looked at elephant mountain to get a record deal or to make us money or anything. It was a way for us to just have fun. Well, you brought up just Joe and you do, you do tons and tons of shows. I mean, do you craft every show you do? Like, do you craft a set list based off of the setting or how do you do that? Yeah, I fucking, it, I have no idea what I'm playing every night. Okay. <laughs> I literally, a lot of times I sit down, I haven't even, I sit down at my gig and I have no idea what I'm even start with sometimes. So I kind of, when it comes to Just Show, I kind of sit down and I just, I kind of feel the room and I mean, there's standard songs I play a lot and almost every night because I mean, I cater to the crowd, you know, I mean, there's some places where I can play whatever the hell I want. and That's the type of place, but a lot of times I got to, you know, I got to play to the crowd, you know, so it, I can start playing. And if I don't know the feel of the room, I'll start going down one route. Maybe I'll play a bunch of country songs. And then all of a sudden the people are like, okay, I like, I like this, 
you know, I can feel them going there. So next thing you know, I'm playing three hours of like country or country rock and I don't play any like singer songwriter or any like throwing a Pantera cover or anything. Like that. It's, it never, it never the same thing twice. Yeah. I'm like a snowflake, <laughs> a natural snowflake, not the, whatever the term means nowadays. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I got four, I got four, 4,000 songs in my repertoire. So, I mean, it, things could go any way in any direction and they can switch directions at any moment, which is kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Well, well, that many songs, I mean, how do you remember it all? How do you retain all that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously I have a computer with all the, you know, the, the chord progressions and the gotcha and the and 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 the words and stuff like that. And I probably could probably do three, two or three hundred songs off the top of my head without ever having to look. I have that ability, but wow. Um, somebody's like, well, four thousand songs. How do you remember? Like, I don't remember. I go. The hardest thing is remembering how they go. You know. Yeah. Because you know you gotta like you know, fuck. I'm playing that song in five years. I haven't heard it in five years, and you're sitting there and you're trying to remember how everything goes. That's where I'm. I boggle. I'm like, how do I remember all these songs? So every once in a while, I have to pull my phone up and do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear the first verse. I'm like, okay, I got it. And you know, <laughs> kind of shakes things loose. But or I mean, there's times where I kind of know the song. I'll listen to it. I'll pull it up and I'll learn it on the spot. Which is pretty cool because somebody's like, dude, I can't believe you did that. They put a twenty dollar tip in the jar. Wow. I can't believe you fucking learned that song right on the spot. I'm like, well, you know, it's what I do. You know, I it's a creepy weird ability that I have is I can pretty much listen to a song once and if you put the chord progression and the words in front of me I'd probably get through it. You know? Except for the bridges. Sometimes those fucking bridges are throwing you away out. <laughs> Confounded what is that that movie that Confounded Bridge. <laughs> Well, I know you've told stories before where you said people have got, you know, like some drunk chick will get pissed if you don't know a certain song. Like, how do you oh, deal with shit like that? <laughs> I don't know, man. It kind of depends on my mood. I mean, sometimes I can take it and let it roll off my shoulders. And other times I just want to choke the person, you know, just, <laughs> come on. You know, it's like, well, I mean, here's the thing. Once a, a crowd kind of gets the idea that I can play a lot of different shit, they, that, that, then they, some of them start assuming I just know everything. Well, you can play that. You just played that. How do, how do you not know that? I'm like, well, I know the song. I just don't know how to play it. And it's not something I could easily learn. You know, it's like, I just can't do that. I feel sorry for any solo artist in the setting that I do, because I'm not the only one that faces this problem. Anybody's in the corner playing guitar. When you're a band, you kind of got like, there's a wall, there's a barrier. Sometimes, literally, there's a barrier or there's monitors, so you have the noise of the band to drown that out. But when you're up there, man, sometimes you might as well just have a fucking target on your head. <laughs> you know, someone's drunk, like, okay, I want to hear this, or hey, can I sing with you? Or I can, most of the time, I can, I can get away with it. But us Syracuse, upstate New York people, we're we're very sarcastic. Our our humor is super sarcastic. And mine is like next level sarcastic. And I have to be careful sometimes because I come off super sarcastic when I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just, it's my humor and some people don't get it. But I, I just do my best to diffuse that. I mean, there's been a few times where I'm just, you know, I'm like, all right, well, well, fuck you. If you, if you, if I'm not making, making you happy, then you do, you do this better than I am. You know, but you know, for the most part, it's just, it's, um, it's a job hazard, <laughs> <laughs> but 
we all have jobs and there's all hazards with it. That's mine. You know, I get to be with drunk people. But as I'm getting older, I'm playing earlier and earlier gigs and more mature gigs. So I don't run into it as much because I don't play those gigs that last until one or two in the morning anymore. I don't want Plus, the people that are out at one or two in the morning, I'm like old enough to be their dad. You know, it's like, <laughs> who's the old guy out there playing fucking Bob Seeger? <laughs> One of your Migos or fucking Cardi B on the jukebox, you know. Oh so, you know, my 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 business is morphing, and I'm playing to it. You know, my crowd doesn't go out and stay out that late. You know, so I play more happy hours in my restaurants. You know, so I don't have to encounter as much. Yeah. Well, you've recorded a lot of covers, studio versions of them. Have you ever got any response yeah. from anybody? tons you know i mean a couple months ago i put up that holy diver cover next thing i know simon wright the drummer he played in do he played in acdc oh, yeah. he plays in what well, i think he plays in do's disciples now and queens and all that stuff he got a hold of it he posted it and then from there it was like next thing you know i got a message from ripper owens i got a message from um Craig Goldie, you know, like all of a sudden these dudes are like, dude, Ronnie would have fucking loved that. You know, that's awesome. And the crazy thing is Ronnie's from here. He's from, he's, he's, you know, where he, where Ronnie grew up is 30 minutes away from where I'm standing right now. You know, so Ronnie, Ronnie has, in, in, as a kid, a lot of my parents' friends all had Ronnie play at their proms. You know, Ronnie had a freaking cover band when he was a kid called Ronnie, Ronnie and the Prophets. And then the, the checkers or something like that. So Ronnie was saying, I mean, he's a legend in this town. He had a band called Elf. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was from here. And then that's what, you know, got him the gig in Rainbow and he became Dio. My guys, the other guys from Elf started the Rod, you know. So, you know, we got some pretty deep history between Ronnie Dames Dio and Joey Belladonna. Joey was, Joe lives down not too far from me either. He's from Syracuse as well. So that's right. Yeah. We got two of the most iconic metal voices in history in my backyard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean the deal cover kind of took off. And then I think I posted a candle box cover, and next thing I know, I got an, a couple messages from the original guitar player. He's not longer in the band, but he wrote the song. He messaged me. He shared it. So, like, you know, it's kind of getting out there in this Pantera woman that I did the other day, which I've covered and released, but, you know, I did it again. I mean, I think that's up to, like, almost 17,000 views at this point. That's awesome. So, it, it, it's a great response, and it kind of, I did it just to kind of, all right, how do I keep generating, how do I keep tricking the algorithms to Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> How do, how do I do it? You know, how do you stay within the algorithms? How do you keep showing up in people's feeds? You know, it's important for someone like me. You know, you can't be that band like post one thing and then you don't post anything for 10 days. It's, your chances aren't going to get in there. So like, okay, content, 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 video, pictures, video, pictures, because you just put up a couple sentences, people are going to sc- click over it. You get a video that starts moving, people are like, oh, whoa, whoa, what's that? Catches their eyes. So I started doing that as an experiment to get it going. I've been there every day and now that's actually turning into a goddamn business for me because yeah. now people want someone to hit me up like hey you know can i advertise on this so wait what <laughs> and now i have an advertising business that started and it's so busy that i'm i'm going to be starting to pull back on all my gigs because i'm literally 
making a pretty good coin off advertising on my <laughs> videos, sitting at home without pants on and freaking recording <laughs> to it. You know, it's great. Yeah. That's, that's so, ultimate, that's ultimate racket. Yeah. That's, you know, that's awesome. and, and I'm putting the money back into some of my studio stuff. Like in the next week or so, I got a new Macintosh coming. I got a GoPro. I got a backdrop coming. I got all these things. So it's like, okay, I'm going to put my investment in because I literally have ads booked until like March, you know, and to the point where the radio station that I'm on once a week, the owner of the radio station has come to me and he's just like, Hey, you know, can we talk? You know, I know you're here once a week, but you know, what you're doing. And I heard how much you made last week. And I told him, he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm like, you got a bullpen of like 15 salespeople out there. I go, what if we got them on this? And we did it in conjunction with the radio station and you have two, a quarter million people on your Facebook page. Yeah. He's like, Hmm, because he knows it's not radio. It's a media company now. So this year's going to get interesting. <laughs> My business model starting to change, you know, and which which is good. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to play three hundred shows a year anymore. That I, this is the last year I said I would do that. Four years of three hundred plus shows a year. Yeah, I mean, there's successful bands that have sold millions of records that haven't played that many shows in their career. Right. I played them in four. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. The business model starting to change a little bit, and you know I'm doing more private parties. I'm doing weddings. I'm doing you know, I, you know I'm morphing to the next fifteen or twenty years of my career. This is what I'm doing, you know. And I'm trying to find a way to just have more time to spend with my daughter, more time to you know. I've been married now twice. I've been divorced now twice. You know, so you know, loving a music man ain't always what it's supposed to be. Journey <laughs> says so, um, but you know, I would like to try to you know, have a relationship again. And I know that trying to do the same thing at the forum, being away all the time, even if it's in town, I'm away. I'm leaving at four o'clock and I'll get home until midnight or something. That's the time when people hang out. So you get disconnected and all that stuff. So I have to, I have to be wary of that stuff with my daughter, with my current relationship and, and my sanity, you know? So. I mean, you've also given away a lot of your original content for free on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. And you've embraced that, I know. So are you happy with the way that works as far as getting your music out there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, people always seem to sit there and complain about, oh, streaming and you don't make any money. I'm like, what? we never fucking made any money before. Right. You yeah. know, like, what are you talking about? You know, like, and are you going to, are you, are you literally going to fight this? Because I'm sorry, you're one person going to complain about this is how music is delivered now. This is how it's delivered. This is how it's going to be delivered, and it's not going back. Okay. Yes. Is there a vinyl resurgence? Yeah, but it's never going to be the preferred listening. That's that's a niche market for people who are you know audiophiles and people who are collectors. People who are true fans, and they get it. And I, sometimes I buy records, I don't even listen to them, but I want you know to collect. Right. But um, when it comes to music, that's how music's delivered now. Plain and simple. So you can complain about it and fight it and not want to put your stuff up and try to get people to go buy it the old ways from you or from, you know, record labels. They're like, well, we don't release it on Spotify for a year. You know, I mean, someone like Adele can get away with that. She's fucking Adele, you know. But, you know, Joe Schmoe, unless you got a huge niche for yourself, you need to put your music out there everywhere. 
Because the beauty of the nowadays is I can sit down right now, right after I get off the phone with you, record a song and have it up for sale within minutes of when I'm done with it. Mix, mastered, and everything. Boom, there you go. Up on iTunes and Spotify and everything else within 24 hours, sometimes 48. The delivery, I mean, back in the day, you had to save money up to get into a studio. You had to save up money to print records, tapes, CDs. And then you're like, oh, my God, how do I get them to people? You know, how, how do I get But I got to get a record label. That's the only way I'm going to get it in a store, in, you know, in Kansas or a kid to listen to it in Canada. Now I can do that and somebody in Antarctica can listen and, and listen to it. Delivery is there. But the problem is, is now everybody has that ability too. So now, like, before at least the record labels, you had, you had a filter to get to, you know, like someone filtered it to you, whether it was a radio DJ or the, the record label or MTV or like that. And now it's just like, okay, you just open the closet and everything just fell on you. Like, oh my God, what do I fucking listen to? Here? So now you have to find different filters. Most of your filters are your friends, you know, but now you just, your, 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 your trick now is it's all on you as a musician. Don't look to get a record deal. A record deal will come if you build it yourself. But a, the modern day musician has to be well-versed in every part of the business. They can't just sit there and be like, oh, we're going to get a manager. We're going to get a record label. We're going to get a booking agent. We're going to get this and that. No, you need to be all of those things right off the bat. And you may not be good at that, but you got to start learning. Because the more you know about that, it becomes a well more rounded musician. And eventually, if you get big enough on your own, a record label is going to come to you. You know, and then that they will help you get that next step. They're just a bank, but they're not willing to. The bank, it's like getting a mortgage. It was really easy to get a mortgage 20 years ago. Now it's like, you know, you got to jump through 5,000 hoops. <laughs> you know, it's the same way with a record label. It's, it's, it was never a good investment. And it's, a, it's an even worse investment now. So you got to make sure that you show that you're worth that. And then that takes you to a next step. You don't look at a record label to break you. You break yourself. And the record label is the next step. It's like going from AAA ball to the major leagues. Plain and simple. So musicians out there they knew that, and that's why I haven't I've embraced that port of technology, and I haven't looked at it to make me any money. I'm, like, well, I'm going to put this record on. I'm going to make. I'm going to sell a thousand copies at ten dollars, and I'll make ten thousand dollars. I don't look at it that way. I use that as a vehicle to sell the other parts of my business and me. You know, don't look at the don't look at the music to necessarily. Hopefully, it makes you money. You hope that it makes you money at some point, but no, use that as a vehicle to get shows, sell your merchandise, you know, and stop worrying about trying to get paid on fucking your music. Does it suck? Yeah, because bands got paid on it in the past. Robert Plant's getting checks every goddamn day for Led Zeppelin shit, but you know, <laughs> this is this is 2018, not 1968. So yeah. stop thinking about the old days and embrace. I think we're gonna have a goal, another golden age of music. Especially when they figure out the what is the Music Monetization Act that just kind of went through with yeah. President Trump, which was, was huge. That was a huge, and, and it kind of went silent. But among the music community, that's huge because those rates that were put in place that Spotify had to pay out, or iTunes has to pay out, or all those bands have to pay, you know, or whatever has to pay out, those were set before the streaming was even really known what the frigate was. So. You know, uh, I'm hoping that that kind of sets things in place and allows for a larger portion to go back to the artist. And before I battle out a little bit more, you get these artists like, well, I got a billion streams and I can make two sets. 
<laughs> well, these are bands that probably sign a really bad record deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, let me see your record deal. How much did you give away to this? Per- you know, there's 30 people taking a piece of your thing. Like me, I get a hundred streams. I, I, you know, I, I make probably off of Spotify a month, maybe 10, 15 bucks. And I'm getting a fraction of those plays, but I own everything. If they owned everything, it'd be a different story. Yeah, no doubt. So, so you know, getting back to where this all started, I embraced that technology full force, man. Bring it on. <laughs> well, I know for a long time you had always post a song of the day on Facebook. Is there any current music that you're you're digging that you want to throw out there? A shout out? Hey, oh, man. As for music, it's all over the place, man. I'm constantly getting turned on to new bands and stuff like that. A lot of it's been like more Americana music. Like I got turned on to Jason Isbell a couple of years ago and it just, you know, kind of went down that path. There's a lot of guys in that. And, you know, but as for metal and rock, man, whew, nothing has blown my mind lately. Let me put it that way. <laughs> well, mean, hey, Jason Isbell's brilliant, man. Yeah. I, his, my favorite songwriter, yeah. easily, he's become my favorite songwriter of all time. He writes songs and I listen to him and I'm like, all right, I quit. I'm never going to write a song like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck you, Jason Isabel, for writing that brilliant song, you know, or Chris Stapleton or stuff like that. I like these guys that kind of transcend genres. You know, you can't really put, you say Chris Stapleton's a country artist, but he's not really a country artist you know there's some rock in him and he was in a band called the Johnson Brothers which is a straight up like heavy rock band and then he was in a bluegrass band called the Steel Drivers so it's like I like these guys kind of live in the gray areas you know Cody Jenks and uh, Ward Davis and Whitey Morgan you know those guys kind of living on the radar real country music you know but when it comes to like rock bands you know everyone raves about Greta Von Fleet and I think Greta you know, it's got some redeeming qualities. His voice gets to my ears real quickly. So, I, you know, with Greta Von Fleet, it's great. I like it just because it's given, it's like they're kind of saving rock whether people want to like them or not. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it leads into other bands. There's some other great bands out there. This band like, you know, the Rival Sons and, uh, yeah. And, um, what is the band? Goodbye June? And another rock band. Yeah, there's some killer rock bands out there and I tell people all the time I'm like man do you have any idea that like there's better bands than Greta Von Fleet you know <laughs> and like yeah awesome they're, they're accessible and they're cute and they're young and I hope that they develop you know but I'm hoping that leads people down another path and gives like because rock is you know when it comes to radio airplay and it's like oh, okay Three Days Grace had 16 straight number one hits awesome what does that mean on active rock that's like being you know the spelling bee champion of your classroom (laughs) you know it's like it's awesome it's a great achievement but what does it really mean you know yeah exactly i mean a a band like pop evil can have five straight number one hits but they're still having a hard time selling the club down the street you know yeah that's the difference in, in the music industry so it's like okay that's all well and good but uh, hopefully it gives a resurgence of rock, but I mean, man, there's so many bands I get turned on to all the time, all the time. But I, it's been a while since a metal band kind of blew my mind, though. I will say that yeah. I had a friend that kept bugging me to listen to Whitey Morgan, and I just never did. And then 
after your live album came out, uh, what was that like the year before last? I, you know, yeah. you, you had played with him and you said, you know, Whitey's up next. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to finally listen to this guy. And now yeah. I'm a massive fan. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's, he's, it's great because, I mean, Whitey and I go way back, you know, from his other band. It was just, it was, it was awesome, you know. So I'm, I'm excited that he's like, he's done real well for himself. And that's kind of like, you know, there's this whole like outlaw country guys that are all underneath it because, I mean, where you guys are from, it's, it, I mean, country music up here in New York is, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, listen, you know, people come up to me and they're like, I want to, can you play something country? I'm like, well, phew, that's, that's a wide genre, my friend. Like, explain to me what you think country music is, because if you're asking me country, I might play you wailing and, and that stuff. And I'm going to be like, what's that? I want to hear Jason Aldean and Kane Brown or, you know, I'm like, well, that's really not, that's pop music, really. You know, it's not exactly. country. It's sung by a guy with a twang in his voice and there's some, you know, mandolin, but that doesn't make it country, you know? So, um, but I, you know, traveling different parts of the country, once you get to Texas and into the Midwest and all that, man, there's all these country artists that like, we don't even fucking know about up here because they don't get airplay or anything like that. You know, pockets out there, you know, they're huge. I mean, it's, there's just so many good bands out there, you know, but you know, I guess the best way to put this is right before we left Century Media, an A&R guy, who's still a good friend of mine, Steve Joe, and him and I were just like frustrated that we couldn't come up with, you know, the record label wasn't budging out on some of our demands. And Steve's like, man, I'm trying. I don't want you guys going anywhere. I'm like, well, man, I go, where do you see this going? Where do you see this whole industry going? And, and he goes, it's going to become niche. He goes, this whole industry is going to become a niche. And he goes, once you find your niche, you fucking feed your niche. Stop yeah. trying to, don't go out of your niche. You know, if you, if somehow you go out of your niche, it's because it naturally happened. Not because you're trying to win people over. If you can create a niche, you keep feeding that niche. And those people will bring those people in the niche and your niche will grow. And his biggest example was at that time, he's like, dude, I'm a huge anime fan. And this is like 2006, 2007. And he goes, I'm a huge anime fan. He goes, but, you know, anime is not a popular thing, but he goes, in these niches that I go to, it's gigantic. And these people just making millions of fucking dollars, but you don't know about it, you know? And I see bands come through my town sometimes playing at these clubs that I've never heard of when they're packing. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Because they fucking played into their niche. Yep. Like, that's that's where, that's, where, that's where anything is. It doesn't have to be music. It's art. It's what you guys do on a podcast. It's you find that niche and you just feed that niche and that niche will eventually grow and tell other people, you know, if you don't go up on the top of the mountain and start shouting because you can't get people to listen anymore. <laughs> yeah. They've got their head buried in their video game or their phone or, you know, they have their, you know, had their beats on, they're listening to something. So it's like, you got to let it naturally get to them instead of, you know, force feeding it down the throat. Times have changed, man. Yeah. That's a great point. Well, man, and that's the, that's the biggest that's the biggest advice I give to the newer fans or guys like, man, I want to do what you did. And I'm like, well, dude, <laughs> I couldn't do what I did. Let me put it that way. And second of all, you know, <laughs> this is what I see. And am I right? No, but I'm, I'm observing. I'm in the middle of it. And I'm, I'm not on the larger picture of the radar of musical, of the music industry, but I am in my own little world. Yeah. And I'll tell you what works for me may not work for you. 
but you know, start reading this, pay attention to this, listen to this podcast, and then just go out there and try to make as many mistakes as you possibly can. Yeah. And they're like, what? I'm like, well, this is the only way you're going to learn what's right. You're going to make way more mistakes. You're going to make nine mistakes and then you're going to have one success. And you're like, okay, cool. How do I make that eight failures and two successes? How do I make that seven? You know? Yeah. That's how you look at it. Know that you're going to, you're going to fucking fail a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have perseverance. You have to have perseverance because if not, and you got to have a thick skin because if not, you're not going to make it as long as like someone like me or some of these other people, you know? Yep. Because most people are going to give up or they're going to become jaded or they want stuff to happen overnight because they think everything happens overnight. You know, the Beatles didn't happen overnight. It took them 10 years before they became an overnight succession. Yeah. Playing in a club in, you know, in Berlin for a, you know, for a half a sandwich and a glass of water for eight hours a day, <laughs> two shillings or whatever the hell it was, you know, but they paid their dues. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's why you can become an overnight success. But if you don't have that 10,000 hours of that time put in behind it, it won't, and your success is going to be short lived, very short lived. Yeah. Exactly. You're going to increase your chances by having that, that background of fucking up, you know? Well, man, we appreciate you finally or finally getting together and doing this. Glad it finally no happened. Kidding. Let's do this in another three and a half years. <laughs> it's, it's a date. <laughs> uh, it's awesome, man. Yeah, and uh, one, of these, one of these videos that are coming up, when the podcast comes out, I'll put it up as a sponsor on the thing and, you know, talk about it so we people to listen into it. So, But, I mean, dude, I mean, look at you guys have been doing it for three and a half years. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the labor yeah. of love, and you—I mean, every time I turn around, I'm like, damn, they got that guy and that person, and like, it's it's cool, man. I'm stoked for you guys, you know. Well, thanks. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate it. No yeah. problem. So, yeah, I'm gonna finish watching Polar Express and probably make some popcorn. My daughter's been eating like a a, a, a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, sounds crazy. like it. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate you having me on for sure. So. All right, gentlemen, take care, man. All right, see you. Thanks again. There you go, Joe Altier. From the recently reformed Brand New Sin, from Just Joe, and from Elephant Mountain. There you go. Very, very, very glad to finally, like we mentioned, three and a half years, but throughout that three and a half year span, there's been many times where we're like, where we didn't have an interview coming up, and we're like, what are we going to do next? And one of us would be like, well, we could finally see if we can get locked down Joe. Yeah. And then I just never get around to contacting him. It just, or when we did, he's just like, well... Can you do it this day? You know, because I've got shows for the next 18 days and we couldn't, you know, anyway. Yeah. So here we are in December 2018. We did it. Finally did it. Episode 201. (laughs) We did it. Very happy. Like I, like I mentioned before the interview, not exaggerating. This is one of my 10 favorite singers of all time. Probably. Yeah. So quite an honor for me just to. And you, I know, to be able to talk to him. Definitely. About everything he's got going on and, you know, the stuff in the past as well. That's right. If you're listening to us for the first time because you're a Joe fan, <laughs> like we said, 200 previous episodes. Yes. You can find us here on SoundCloud backslash Thunder Dash Underground. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, MixCloud, Google Music. Um, YouTube, I haven't updated YouTube in probably a month and a half or something. So anyway, (laughs) you can find old ones there, but 
We've had on guys, like I mentioned, COC. We've had on two separate episodes where we had on Mike Dean and Reed Mullen. We've had on guys from, if you like the stuff heavy, Death Angel. Death Angel, yeah. Battle Cross, Megadeth, two different members, Dave Elfelson and Chris Broderick. We've had on Sid Falk, formerly of Overkill. We've had on Tommy Victor of Prong. If you're a prong fan, I would imagine you would dig some brand new sin. Yeah, right? of course. We've had on Frank Hannon of Tesla, Kevin Martin of Candlebox, Gene Simmons of Kiss, Bruce Kulick, formerly of Kiss, Joey Allen of Warrant, John Connolly of Seven Dust, Jason Todd, the original guitarist for Shinedown, CJ Pierce has been on here twice from Drowning Pool, Mark Kendall from Great White's been on here twice, Ian Hogland from Europe. Biff Byford from Saxon. Hell yeah. Damon and Ricky from Black Star Riders and Thin Lizzy. I mean, the list goes on. Brother Kane. Brother yeah. Kane. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, a huge long list, 200 plus episodes. We kind of, like I just mentioned there, that covers all kinds of rock. Yeah. We even had on Shooter Jennings and Ian Moore and Lily Lashley from Street Dogs. So yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we get into everything we can. Yeah. Why not? Why and, wouldn't you? Like we mentioned out the gate. Six more episodes are already in the can, which also features a wide, broad spectrum, Junkyard and L.A. Guns, Clear to the Extreme Metal of Black Dahlia, Child Bite, Ghoul, Clint Wells from Metal Up Your Podcast, and is that everything? I think so. I think so, yeah. So, and the best of 2018 will be coming here soon as well. That's right. Find out what our favorite albums of the year are. Find out. If your favorite album made the list, and if it didn't, you can email us at thethunderunderground at gmail.com and bitch at us. Or just comment on Facebook or send us a tweet, whatever you do. Get on all the social medias, follow us. Patreon, you can send us a few bucks. Become a patron. Wherever you're at, subscribe, like, even if you're not, you know, sharing or commenting. Just liking or subscribing helps us as well. Definitely. We appreciate it. All right, I think it's time we put a wrap on on this run here of whatever you want to call it, podcast hell. It's not really hell because it was six six awesome interviews. It I think. was fun, yes. Yeah, I'm tired. Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's time to go home. All right. Till next time. Hey, did you eat all that? Did you eat the whole marshmallow already? Oh, why are you looking at that? You want to eat the Rice Krispies? Oh, we're gonna eat this Rice Krispie treat in the morning. All right, you want an Oreo cookie? You can have two. Two. Just two, okay? Kids are sugar peaks. Thunder Underground, y'all.